Hello and welcome to South Africa on 99.94 Cricket Every Day. I'm Neil Manthorpe, my co-host is Langani Zama. Today we'll be talking about, uh, well, we'll be reflecting once again on South Africa's exit from the T20 World Cup and uh, looking ahead to the future, the start of the four-day game in South Africa and uh, a whole bunch of other stuff as well. Um, just basically catching you up on uh, South African cricket. Uh, South Africa on 99.94 is your home for South African content um, and we'll be dropping into your podcast uh, every, uh, well, a couple of uh, times every week. We have just had a week off. Um, Langani had uh, some family matters to attend to. Nothing serious, I'm delighted to say. Um, but also, if you get a chance, uh, do check out uh, the Mitch Johnson show where the former Aussie talks about his life inside and outside of cricket. If you haven't seen that already, um, you can uh, find it wherever you listen to your podcasts or on YouTube. So thanks for joining the uh, conversation um, Sam's um, all, all good at home. We, uh, I didn't mind the week off. I, I think it's probably done us both good to reflect on life. Yeah, all good at home. Thanks, Manners. Uh, back in, back in Joburg in the big smoke, and back on nineteen ninety four. Absolutely. Well, look, let's talk about um, uh, director of cricket Enoch Nkwe's, um review into uh, South Africa's exit from the T Twenty World Cup. I have to say that um, most people that I've spoke to uh, has just been a massive shrug of the shoulders thinking and saying, why, why? Um, but I got the impression from him that it was far more than just a box ticking exercise. I mean, it is it is something that needs to be addressed. And, um, you know, people, you described it as uh, the most embarrassing day in South Africa's cricket history. Um, I mean, there, there, there have been a few. I'll take it post-isolation history. Um, so it does need to be addressed, and fans are angry, and and I guess they want answers. So how would you go about this review? There's been no word of of the panel that he said that he would put together, um, this board of uh, of of investigators. Uh, have you heard any news, and and how do you think it should be conducted? No, no news at all, which is a concern because the the test team, which is a lot of those players were at the World Cup as well, or at least half about to leave for Australia in, in, in a week. Uh, and you would you would think that a, a sincere review would definitely have those players involved. Um, you know, they were in their change room, they were in their team, they they best place to say what went wrong, what changed on the day. Um, you can bring in all the experts you want. They weren't there. You know, that's that's the biggest issue. So you would think if they were sincere about this, that that certainly involve personnel that were there obviously Mark Boucher needs to to have a, a thorough report face to face you would think that would be the right way to do it and obviously the captain but just heard absolutely nothing which is concerning but not surprising because we did say that it, it seemed like a box ticking exercise and it seems to be going that way that you just sweep it under the carpet when when Australia takes into stage I listened to a very interesting interview with Dave Nosworthy um, who has a long and um often very successful career in coaching, not just in South African cricket. He was asked about the review as well, and he kept stressing the need for honesty and accountability. And the truth is that um, South African cricket's been woefully poor at accountability. People actually putting their hands up and saying, I take responsibility for that. I should have done this better. I should have done that better. We need to learn from it. That's just not a culture that exists in South African cricket. Sorry to sound pessimistic. No, well, it's not. It's, it's honest. That's what it is. Um, 
you know, we can we can look back at the track record, especially of those in administration of cricket. The, the there's there's a a great eagerness to to take credit for when things go well and pat each other on the back when any of the the national teams succeed somewhere internationally, become number one in the world, win an important series. But of course, when when there's blame to be to be portioned out, um, you know, there's no one left standing in the room and. This is uh, a significant problem. You, you know, you might as well call it a crisis. Um, it shouldn't just be swept under the carpet that South Africa lost to an international minnow at a stage where they could have gone to the semis and maybe the final and had half a chance of winning a, 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 an ICC trophy. You know, it, it should have been immediate. Uh, it, it, there should have been a lot more accountability. Um, you would have even thought that at that press conference, um, there, there would have been steps taken already to to say exactly what's going to happen and, and and really be transparent about it. But naturally, when there's a failure to deal with, it, you know, none of the suits were were anywhere in the picture. You know, Enoch and and Temba were left to face the music, and it's it's sad but not surprising. Talking of Temba, he is one man who hasn't uh, shirked responsibility, but he's been very quiet. Um, I actually had this question on the schedule for a little bit later on, but uh, I'll ask it now. Um, we haven't seen or heard from him. He's obviously taking some time away from the game. Um, now, he hasn't played in the first two rounds of uh, of the four-day game. Um, and, he, you know, he's got one warm-up game. He's the Test Match vice-captain. Um, and a strong, strong part of me thinks, good for you. I hope you've taken yourself to your favourite place and and have some quiet time contemplation and, uh, you know, spend time with your family, get away from the game, uh, sort of take a deep breath and recover. But I kind of I do hope that um, he's able to get back on back on the horse at some point soon. Well, the thing is, you're, you're a cricketer. And, and, and let's just remember that just before the Tour of India and then the, the World Cup, Timber was injured. So while everyone else was playing, he was sitting at home with, the people that he cares about in his favorite places. Well, most of his favorite places, except the golf course, because he was injured and he couldn't play golf. But the reality is his biggest problem is a lack of runs. The only way you rem- remedy a lack of runs is in the middle. There's, you know, there's currently games going on as we speak. Um, four day cricket th- that he should be a part of, because there's a test tour coming up to Australia just around the corner. And there's only two warm up games there. You need as much time as possible to be out in the middle. I saw an interesting quote attributed to Herschel Gibbs saying that, forget everything else, you're a batsman first and your job is to score runs. And if you're a bowler, your job is to take wickets. And if you're not doing those, you're susceptible to being dropped, which is which is true. It's It seems harsh, but, you know, the game does move on. Uh, and, and if you're not making runs in any format, the questions will come up in test cricket. So realistically he should be playing again the best place to be for a cricketer out of form is back in the middle trying to find that form i'm glad you said there are two warm-up games um because obviously the schedule i've got says that there's only one game at the allen border field um next to the gabba but if there are two games that's that's a, a source of of some relief we'll talk more about that in just a moment Hi, I'm Nikesh Raghani, commentator and host of the India on 99.94 podcast. Several times each week, my co-host Sara Waris and I will be bringing you the very best in Indian cricket chat. Whether we're discussing the legend of Julan Goswami... K. 
Mikhail Rahul's strike rate, the men's T20 death bowling woes, or the latest controversy involving the BCCI, we've got you covered. You can listen and subscribe via your usual podcast provider. Just search for India on 99.94. You can watch us via YouTube and you can download the 99.94 app. If you love Indian cricket, then join our conversation. All right, welcome back. Um, South Africa with uh, either one or two warm-up games. They've definitely got a four-day game against uh, a composite 11, um, I think a, a President's 11 at the Allen Border Field before the first test match in, in Brisbane. Let's talk about um, the the four-day game in South Africa. There are, as people may not be familiar, there are two divisions of 14 provinces, eight in the first division. Uh, so they only play seven first-class games. It's not a lot of cricket, is it? Um, and in fact, Malebongui Maketa, the new coach, has s- expressed his concerns that <laughs> that um, it's a it's a very very truncated season. It's almost as if the organisers knew that we'd be playing a handful of Test matches over the next few years, and said, "Well, Red Bull will be prorated accordingly. We'll play a truckload of T Twenty cricket because that's all we'll do. We'll play some fifty over cricket because there's a World Cup coming up." And then every now and then we'll we'll play a bit of red ball just to say that we still care about the longest format, but it is it is not enough. Uh, you 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 groom future Test cricketers in in, in your four day format, and you you just don't have enough in seven that are sort of split across different elements of the season. It's it's just not enough. Um, so yeah, you wonder what preparation realistically a lot of those Test players are going to have. They're going to have Two two rounds of of of, of four day cricket here before jumping on a plane to Australia, uh, and 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 facing a team that will play hard cricket in the next month before that first test in Adelaide. So, really putting ourselves on the back foot. The two hottest properties in South African cricket at the moment, from a batting perspective anyway, are Tristan Stubbs and Diavolt Brevis, um, both known for their T Twenty prowess. Both have been quoted recently um as saying that um that they are desperately ambitious to play in test test cricket um brevis particularly um said that uh, you know expressed the fact his belief that it was the highest purest form of the game and that he didn't want to be just labeled as uh, as a t20 cricketer um even though it's made him a millionaire um but he's still only 19 he's desperate to play neither of those two guys could find a place in the starting eleven for their provinces, um, which I don't know. What do you think? Well, look, I think there might have been some commercial commitments around SA Twenty as well, uh, which kind of complicated things. I saw both of them at the launch um, for the tournament. Um, it, a lot of these things are easier said than done. It, it, it's a good thing to say that you want to play Test cricket. It sounds polite, you know, but the reality is. To be labelled as a as a as a three twenty hired gun is an expensive label, and, and you know both both those kids are, are millionaires as we speak. I mean, the uh, Tristan Stubbs walked into a room, and I think a couple of guys had not seen him since the auction, and there was a, a not dropped jaw, but there was a look of admiration and and, and but joy for him because he's a nice guy. And you speak to a couple of the players, and they, and they do look at him as a cheapers. 
there's a guy walking whose life was completely changed in, in one day. 9.2 million, never mind what you've made in, in the 100 and whatever other competition you've played. You've just got a 9.2 million rand payday to play a tournament for a month in South Africa. Like, you're done. You know, most, most of those guys haven't earned 9.2 million in their careers. And you're going to do it in a month. And, and that's only the beginning. So you hope it's sincere. Uh, and you hope they get the opportunity to play red ball cricket. Um, I actually ran into into a bowler when I was in KZN who who played against Brevis in Cubs Week, which is um, sort of the academies around the country. And he said that the the video that sort of made Devil Brevis known initially when he scored I don't know 170 or whatever in Cubs Week, he was the bowler that got launched initially. Um, and he said, as soon as you bowl, you, it just, it feels different. It, it, he's the same age, if not younger. Um, or Previs was the same age, if not younger than this bowler. And he just said, you bowl to him and it's just an intimidating presence because he hits the ball, not just in places that he shouldn't, but he does it in a way that doesn't look like it's a fluke. It looks like he can do it again. So he's got all the shots in red and white ball. We've only seen white ball. You, you hope they've, they find a way and he finds a way to slot it in because it'd be very interesting to see him play without the limitations of 20 overs. I mean, you can just have a day of brevis really lighting the park up. Just one other issue I wanted to ask you about. That was uh, the non-selection of Ryan Rickleton. Um, I also bumped into him um, at the Wanderers at the launch of uh, the SA20 on one of the days. And now there is still no clarity he was not selected as an incumbent member of the test squad. He was not selected because it was said he had an ankle injury. Not bad enough to prevent him from playing for his for his province. And he did just play in the four-day game. He kept wicket. He ran around. He scored runs. Um, my understanding is that it's a, it, it's a chronic condition of his ankle, which has been there for years and just requires management. But... Again, it was it's just that kind of lack of clarity and honesty and accountability. So Heinrich Klaassen was picked ahead of him as the reserve wicketkeeper. He then scored 292 um, for for the Titans. Um, but you know, it just it's just such a head shaking moment. And you wanted to say, why can't somebody just be honest? It's harsh on Ryan. He is, was a member of the squad in England, um, but for this trip, we think that Heinrich is our man. But no, they had to use this bloody ankle injury situation. It's just, I mean, Rickleton himself was completely nonplussed, distraught, understandably. Yeah, I mean, when is he ever realistically going to fly over to Australia and play Boxing Day and New Year's Test, potentially? You know, this this is it, really. Um, so you feel for him. And, and again, it, you know, it, it speaks to the lack of transparency because there was this phantom injury which is not strong enough to preclude him from domestic cricket, but it's can't travel with it and play internationally. It's just like, what has he got? <laughs> just, just say it. Just say it once and, you know, let the chips fall where they must. But, it is. It, it, it's, it's creating drama where there is no drama. Um, if it was a cricket decision, 
it, it's a cricket decision. I mean, at, at least the one thing we know is that it's it's not a, a transformation debate because both players happen to be white, so we can dismiss that. So if it's a cricket decision, tell us it's a cricket decision. We're going with Heinrich Klaus and he's more experienced and we feel like he's he's going to be better served on those wickets than Ryan Rickleton. Ryan will get another chance down the line. Done. You know, you you, you leave it vague and now everyone's asking around, is there another injury we don't know about? Is Did Ryan fall out with a selector? Is, you know, it, it just creates an unnecessary atmosphere of uncertainty. When the selection convener, Victor Mpudsang, was questioned about it, he deflected the question and he and he tried to make light of it. And he tried to make a joke of it. He said, oh, don't drag me into the medical side of things. That's not my area of expertise. And I just thought, you are so badly missing the point. Your area of expertise is to tell us honestly why players have been picked and why they haven't. Yeah, you're the convener. You, you can make unpopular decisions if you need to. That's That's your mandate. <laughs> But you've got to explain it to people who don't understand, you know, why why Timber plays and Reza Hendricks doesn't. You can't say, oh, you can't drag me into it. I'm not a politician. I can't speak about those things. You're paid to speak about those things. Why is so-and-so playing and that one not? What is your rationale? You've been a player. You've been left out where you thought you should have played. You know exactly the feelings. So just, just tell us. You're paid. It's literally your job. You're the convener. You close the conversation as long as you explain it properly. So, yeah, it, it, it is ridiculous. Like, it, it really is ridiculous. Okay, we'll take a short break and we'll be back with more of the South African first class game. Whether it's missing flights or retirements out of the blue, whether it's resignations or bans, as the old saying goes, there's never a quiet day in West Indies cricket. So make sure you listen to West Indies on 99.94 to stay up to date with all the latest fallout with the teams in Maroon. So, Sams, how do you see the future of of the first-class game in South Africa? I mean, you know, as I just mentioned, we've got two divisions. um, And and I just struggle to see how the first-class game is going to be sustainable going into the future. I mean, one of the reasons there are, there's only one round of games, there's only seven games in the first division, is cost. Um, and I, I think so much of the way that we've viewed the game needs to be revisited. Um, I'm talking about Tristan Stubbs and, and Devolt Brevis, um, T20 specialists, and whether they can play first-class cricket, whether they want to play first-class cricket and test cricket. But... Given their commitments, we to not just the SA twenty, not just the, the you know T twenty cricket around the world. Um, I, I, I the whole subject of of we always used to have this system, didn't we, where you had to have played two first class games before you could even be considered for the test team. And if somebody was coming back from injury, we had all these protocols in place, then they had to play a four-day game. And even if, you know, one of the star players, I remember one time Brian McMillan many years ago in the 90s had recovered from an injury, um, but he wasn't reinstated to the test squad, even though he was a key player, because there wasn't a round of first-class games in order for him to prove his fitness. All of these old-school conventions that, uh, that we used to stick to, um, they are rapidly being broken down and and you know disassembled. 
around the world, it just seems like it's a bit slower to happen in South Africa. And we, we kind of stick to these principles. Like the whole idea of national contracts is going to have to be radically reviewed. I mean, the whole idea of a 12-month national contract or even a 24-month national contract, if you're a T20 specialist, why on earth would you sign one? Why? I mean, well, I think we need to we, we need to be in a situation where we're offering players a contract for a tour. Do you agree? Yeah, we we touched on this in a previous episode where the way the world is going is unfortunately it you can't forecast three months down the line what's going to happen. If you know there, there's there's just such a severe lack of Test cricket in South Africa's future anyway that you. It's the basis of your contract. You you sign players up to play ICC tournaments, bilateral series, but most importantly, you make sure they're available for your for your test matches because, um, in South Africa's mind, that is still you know the pinnacle. If you if you look around the world, the priority has changed, um, and and players will tell you that. So you do, and it would save money because. On, on, on a series-by-series series basis, it would tell you that so-and-so is not available because he's going off to play in the Big Bash. And so-and-so is not available because he's going to play in the Caribbean. Um, and then you have a, a tour fee. You know, it, we've spoken about you being flexible with coaches if you're being realistic and making sure that your main coach is not actually test cricket because that's not you're going to, going to be your main sport. It's got to be white ball. So you've got to have the best specialist for white ball cricket and almost have a test cricket consultant. But these are these are things that you would hope a brains trust is looking at. Um, they've obviously got a review for the T20 World Cup that they must still assemble. But these are the things that you should be looking at and say the, the way of the world is is changing and we need to adapt and part of the cost cutting is to make sure that actually we don't just sign 20 people to 12 month contracts and half of them to 24 month contracts in the, in the belief that that is security. It's not really, it's, it's, it's throwing money at, at, at a problem that is not all you're doing, but you, you need to be creative with it in order to stay relevant, quite frankly. The relevance of South African cricket has now shifted completely and is shifting completely towards the SA20. I mean, Cricket South Africa is being marginalised in its own country. It is nominally a 57.5% stakeholder in the SA20, but let's be honest, the SA20's got its own board of directors, its own commissioner in Graham Smith. Um, the the game in South Africa is going to be reliant um, on its survival on the SA20. All of the attention and the focus is shifting, and we saw that very clearly last week when um, I don't know how many news organisations and journalists were at the launch of the SA20, but it was a lot. It was uh, almost all of our colleagues. And there were two journalists to interview the coach and the convener of selectors when the squad to go to Australia was announced. It was, a, I mean, our dear friend Stuart Hess, the cricket writer for the Star newspaper in Johannesburg, wrote a piece to exactly that effect. He said, <laughs> the game has changed. Normally, the announcement of a squad to go to Australia would be the news for days, and it, it barely caught 
a couple of paragraphs in most newspapers. You, well, I mean, it's twofold. You, firstly, there's still a hangover from losing to the Netherlands, which people are struggling to reconcile. Uh, and it's come very soon after that, but still the national team, regardless of format, still the national team. And there's, there's still a, a, a strong sense of anger. Um, never mind disappointment, just anger. At, you lost and, and life carried on. Now you're picking the next team and you haven't dealt with the problem that happened before. Like, you know, uh, a kid breaks a window, there's there's a punishment. You, you get grounded, you sit upstairs, like the repercussions. Before you then say, oh, by the way, we're hosting a party next week. We'd like to invite you. There's, you know, bring your... Like, no, life does not continue. You've just lost the biggest, <laughs> the most humiliating match. Like, you know, it's... It's it, it's crazy, and, and and I'm actually not surprised that so many came to the SA20 because it probably felt like a breath of fresh air. Let's see what's different. Let's see, you know, what's changed. It's it's definitely not CSA backed. So let's let's go and have a jaw. And 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 most people who did went and had a jaw. And um, it's just a different atmosphere. But if you if you're someone at CSA, you look at that and you say, the way that we organise ourselves there. And the way they organize themselves there, yes, there's money involved, but technically our director of cricket and our coach also went to that. We could have just as easily, if we'd planned ourselves, said at the end of that SA20 where there's going to be 30 journalists and however many news crews, we'll announce that squad there at the tail end. Link it to the event. Don't separate them and isolate yourselves and make yourselves look terrible. Two journalists turning up to a test tour announcement to Australia. I mean, it's... It's embarrassing. I mean, we keep using the word, but but really, it is. It it shows you how low the stock of that national team is at the moment. It tells you everything. It does. Okay, we'll be back in a couple of days' time. I'm going to talk to you a lot more about the SA20 because uh, you are. Well, I won't say you, you're embedded, but you're heavily involved in uh, in the promotion of uh, of the tournament. So we'll talk about that in uh, a couple of days. Thanks for listening to South Africa on 99.94, where we speak cricket every day. Please rate, review and subscribe wherever uh, you enjoy your podcasts. It certainly uh, gives us a welcome boost. Um, you can download the 99.94 app and follow us on Twitter at Neil Manthorpe and at Wamzam17. So never miss out. Join our 24-7 conversation on social media and follow us at 9994DM. <laughs> cricket every day, your way.